listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so very much for spending some time with us. We have a big show ahead. Cheryl Hickey's on the program a little later, a little, little later on. Pardon me. Celebrating 15 years of Entertainment Tonight Canada. ET Canada celebrating 15 years. Incredible. And, of course, it is a new day and a new dawn for so many people in the province today as it is. Back to school, Doug Ford. My friend, a new day has dawned in Ontario. A day of opportunity, a day of prosperity, and a day of growth. Thank you. Thank you, Premier. Now, keep in mind, as the kids are heading back to school today, if you flip on any of the social medias, any of the various tubes that you might have, the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the th- whatever it is, your preferred poison, you're going to see nothing but kids. You're going to see everybody posting pictures of their children. And a little later on in the program, we're going to ask the question, is that a good idea from a privacy point of view? from a security point of view, and also, interestingly, from a parenting point of view. Because are your children consenting to this? Are they of an age that they can consent to it? And later in life, will they look back and say, thanks so much for posting that photo of me wearing that crazy outfit for the world to see? That's a little later on in the program. Plus, in our second segment, tragedy, comedy, or farce? A number of things popping up in the news. Tragedy, comedy, or farce. For example, the Prime Minister's interview with Hassan Manaj of the Patriot Act. Comedy? Farce? Tragedy? We'll put that to you. And then, as always, on the program, we have a story, a scary story, about alligators. Alligators? That's right. But we begin, of course, with Back to School. And from the Minister of Education, talking about the expiration of all of the contracts, as you may know, all education contracts in the province of Ontario expired over the Labor Day weekend. And here's what the minister had to say, say, quote, students will not face any disruptions to start their school year. Beyond that, we continue to negotiate in good faith. But so many players in all of this are expecting... Nothing but trouble in the time ahead. From the Toronto Star, for example, in order to balance the books, this is the Star today, the Toronto District School Board cut almost 300 staff members, including reading coaches, social workers, and custodians. Among high school teachers, 135 full-time positions remain laid off, although the board anticipates some may be recalled in the coming months. Now, we're going to get to that whole custodians thing in just a moment as we look a little closer at what's on the carpet. Don't do that at school. Here are the NDP. Here's the NDP education critic here. This is Merritt Stiles speaking this morning, talking about how the NDP is going to track the changes in the education system that the Doug Ford government is bringing in. We know that a large number of the classes and courses that have been cancelled that won't be offered in many schools across this province are the things like science and technology, which I mentioned specifically, also because the, the government likes to talk about their emphasis on STEM. Uh, but in fact, we're seeing some of those courses definitely cut, um, as well as many other important options that students 
students like to have, and that is limiting their options in terms of their pathway forward. That is Merritt Stiles of the NDP talking about tracking the government's changes to Ontario's education system. The Minister of Education, as we have mentioned, he will be on this radio station later on today, 5 o'clock. Joined for that, Stephen Lecce saying in a statement that parents deserve predictability. They deserve to have peace of mind over the coming year. I stand with them and will be focused on delivering a deal that protects their children's future. Now, Lecce noted that the government is spending $24 billion on education. That is a $700 million increase, though that's largely because of an increased enrollment number and the Ford government's new child care tax rebate. Lecce says more money will be targeted for things like special education. But where there will be less money is for the carpets. Your kid's classroom will be cleaned much less frequently this school year. That, according to CUPE. CUPE worries that those cuts being made by the government will lead to unhealthy schools. Nora Shaughnessy works for a Peterborough area school board as a custodian. And she spoke during a morning news conference. We used to vacuum carpeted areas like kindergarten classrooms every day. Now we are told we can only vacuum them once a week. We can mop up drink spills, but if there's no spills, we're not supposed to mop. We used to clean all touch points daily. Light switches, door handles, handrails, countertops, no more. Well, that's just plain disgusting. Well, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to keep an eye on it, and we're going to call in the fuzz is what we're going to do, says QP. Education cuts are responsible for these new routines, and these routines will set students up for injury and illness. Don't mistake me. If hygiene standards in schools deteriorate, QP members will call in the public health units. There's fuzz on this. Call the fuzz. You know, I don't mean to make light, but do you have kids? Do you have teenagers? Hygiene? Holy smokes. Hey, wait a second. Did I just see Jagmeet Singh on TV? Sure, sure. You know, the NDP leader always gets a free bit of publicity on Labor Day. We had him on Global News last night. There he was. Hey, it's the NDP leader on Labor Day. But now here he is again in a new TV ad. People tell me I'm different from the other leaders. And I am. Yes. Now, can Jagmeet Singh get up off the political floor? You know, he's a martial arts specialist, but right now he is being pummeled. So what about this ad that has just come out? Here is Adam Rudwanski in the Globe and Mail writing about Singh. Quote, this week, the NDP will launch an ad aimed at confronting head-on suspicions of Mr. Singh's Sikh faith, including his wearing of a turban that would disqualify him from public service jobs under Quebec's new legislation, which has widely been linked to dismal polling numbers in the province. Not just saying the right things, but actually doing them. Now that's different. And that's how that ad ends. Not just saying things, but doing them. Obviously, a shot at Justin Trudeau, who promised to be different, but turned out to be SNC-Lavalani. But what of Singh's chances? Both he and Shear now are going to benefit from the same thing Trudeau did versus Harper, which is low expectations. 
This is especially true of Singh, who won the NDP leadership with great fanfare, but then quickly lost his way. Adam Radwanski writes, In a faint echo of the liberals with Trudeau in 2015, New Democrats will count on Mr. Singh to use the leaders' debates to surprise voters who have already written him off. Quote, There was a very high expectation coming out of the leadership race, and now I think Jagmeet will have an opportunity to beat expectations, says veteran MP Nathan Cullen, one of 11 current NDP caucus members not seeking re-election. While here, Jagmeet Singh tries to find room on the progressive side of the spectrum, a different story from south of the border. News that Donald Trump's re-election campaign will increasingly target journalists. President Trump's political allies are trying to raise at least two billion, pardon me, two million with an M, to investigate reporters and editors of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other outlets. That is according to a three-page fundraising pitch reviewed by Axios. This is where this news has come from. But, There's an important caveat here, is there not? This is not a new concept. For example, the liberal group, Media Matters, monitors journalists and publications and goes public with complaints of bias. So it happens on all sides of the political spectrum. My friend, a new day has dawned in Ontario. A day of opportunity. A day day of prosperity. And a day of crappy stuff on the carpet. This is the Alan Carter Radio Program. When we come back, is it tragedy? Is it comedy? Is it farce? Justin Trudeau goes on a international comedy show. Was it funny? That's next. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mighty Alan Carter Radio Program, where in our next segment, we are going to run through a number of stories and ask you the question, is it comedy, is it farce, or is it tragedy? Let us begin with the U.S. Vice President Mike Pence and his trip to Ireland. A top aide now defending Pence's decision to stay at a Trump property in the country. My first visit to Ireland as Vice President of the United States. Pence is staying at the Trump International Golf Links in Dunbeg at what his chief of staff says was the president's suggestion. Mark Short says it's the one facility in the area that could accommodate the VP's entourage, which includes Pence's wife, mother and sister, and that they are not staying for free. Democrats say the move essentially funnels taxpayer money right to the president. Short says the State Department signed off on the stay, which necessitates Pence then flying from Dunbeg for meetings in Dublin. Sagar Magani at the White House. That's kind of funny, don't you think? Funny haha or funny peculiar? You decide. Next up, comedy, tragedy, or farce, Hassan Minaj, a comedian and host of the Patriot Act, has interviewed... Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, here is Minaj talking to the Prime Minister about Canada's $15 billion deal to sell arms to Saudi Arabia. Finish the sentence. 
Tim Hortons is? Uh, a Canadian institution. Nice. Finish the sentence. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard should? Uh, should be very proud of what he accomplished uh, in his time in, in Canada. I completely disagree. Kawhi Leonard should never return to Canada because he is a traitor. That's the correct answer. You know, people bring American sentiments onto Canadian politeness every now and then. Finish the sentence. Mm -hmm. Canada will not sell any more weapons to Saudi Arabia, period. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I missed that one. Canada will not sell any more weapons to Saudi Arabia, please. That's a, that's, a, that's a good statement. That's a good statement. You said nine months ago you guys would be examining it, mm -hmm. and it takes about three months to study for the LSAT, so that's a pretty good examination time. You could, you could announce it right here, right now. We, We're canceling we, the deal. We take our, we got it right our, here, wild on camera. We take our legal responsibilities and the breaking of contracts very seriously in this country. I'm telling you, they watch the show. Like, I'm t they really watch the I, show. I don't doubt they do. I'm sure they're keeping an eye on you. Okay, what does that mean? That his... Hassan Minaj interviewing the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and a pointed question that I think many people in this country have, which is, why are we selling arms to Saudi Arabia? And we take contracts very seriously, but is this contract a good idea? So is that comedy? Here is another clip from the program, this about Quebec's new secular law. I've been told mm -hmm. that there is this place uh, that's kind of like Canada's Boston, mm -hmm. Quebec. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? What's going on with this secularism bill? What, what does this mean? Um, I disagree with it. Uh, a, a government shouldn't be telling uh, anyone what they should or shouldn't wear in a free society. So I strongly disagree with that. I have been very clear that in a free society, you cannot legitimize discrimination against someone based on their religion. So you would say you're accepting of all faiths and religions? I think what we accept as a country that needs to be defending minorities, defending people's rights. Accepting yes. Christianity. Uh, accepting Christianity. Judaism. Accepting Judaism, accepting uh, Islam, accepting all, uh, all different... Why? You accept Islam as the one true faith and the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the last and final messenger. Don't laugh at that part. You can't laugh at that part. I am uh, proudly Catholic, but I have a, a tremendous respect for all religions. I'll, I'll, I'll play the long game. We have until the day of judgment. I am, I am Catholic. Guys, I tried. Hassan Minaj interviewing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. You can see some of those clips online now. That was from the program Patriot Act, and some pointed questions there as well, weren't there? You know, isn't that great the way you can kind of shade in around a lot of things there when you're talking about comedy, but it's not really all that funny in many ways. All right, as we continue our tragedy, comedy, or farce, let's go to Tennessee, where a Catholic school has removed the Harry Potter books from its library. Why? Evil spirits. In a letter sent out to parents at St. Edward Catholic School in Nashville, the Reverend Dan Rehill expressed concern that the curses and spells used in the Harry Potter books are real, and when read by a person, they risk conjuring evil spirits. The Reverend goes on to say that he consulted several exorcists in the U.S. and in Rome, and they recommended removing the books. 
His email to parents was obtained by the Tennessean newspaper. I'm Jackie Quinn. Sure, that sounds reasonable. Enlightened. Tragedy, comedy, or farce from the TTC four hours ago. This is from the Twitter machine, TTC, tweeting, We are currently experiencing technical issues with Presto reloading machines, credit, and debit payments system-wide. Presto personnel are currently working on the issue. Well, now... If you use the old Presto, this is not going to be a surprise to you, and I guarantee you, you're not going to put this under comedy. Metrolink spokesperson Anne-Marie Aiken said that if people have the Presto app on Android, they can reload it and it will be immediate. The app for the iPhone can take up to two hours, while reloading online will take 24 hours, because that's reasonable in 2019. Now, a quick reminder for you about the Presto system. Metrolinx has now spent a billion dollars delivering this fare card system to transit agencies across the province and expects the bill to increase by $200 million more over the next three years. In the anticipated $1.2 billion in spending, that was revealed last year by the Arms Length Provincial Transportation Agency's annual report, and it represents the capital cost for Presto between 2002 and 2018. That is a significant increase from $700 million in Presto costs that Metrolinx projected six years ago, and that is when the province's Auditor General put out a report saying this thing could end up being one of the world's priciest fare card systems. And it does not work! Repeatedly, we have these troubles. 24 hours to reload your Presto card online? Tragedy. Comedy. Farce. Our final installment in all of this comes from Florida. With a Florida man who has some ideas for helping solve the problem of hurricanes. Can't see how they haven't come up with some kind of way to com- combat these storms yet. They keep saying, uh, you know, two days ago, three days ago, oh, it's said this, but it's going to hit all this warm weather, all this warm weather and warm water. We have a Navy. Why don't the Navy come and drop ice in the warm water so it, that it can't get going as fast as it's going? There's got to be ways to combat this instead of just pointing at the thing and saying, well, it's, uh, now it's getting worse. Yeah, we know it's getting worse, but you tell us, oh, it's the warm weather, oh, it's the wind. Well, we have an Air Force. Drive some Air Force planes around to get the winds going the opposite way. Get the Navy to go in circles to fight it the other way. That, that makes perfect sense to me. Have you seen the Superman movie, the original Superman movie, where he flies around the Earth repeatedly back, and then he, he, he makes time go backwards? So clearly we know it works. And the ice thing, that's not that crazy. Sure, just go down to the ice machine in the Hojo where you're staying. Drive that into the eye of the storm. Drop that in there. You know what that, that's like a maybe a little bit of mint. And you got a mojito. <laughs> That's good times right there. That was comedy, farce, or tragedy here on the Alan Carter Radio Program. I want to take you to West Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue University wants you to know something.
it's not selling opioids. Purdue University wants the public to know it has no connection to a company blamed for helping drive the nation's opioid crisis. Keep it down. University has spent years repeating it has no affiliation to Purdue Pharma. That is the Stanford, Connecticut-based pharmaceutical company that is the maker of OxyContin. University spokesman Tim Doty says... The news that Purdue Pharma is negotiating a multi-billion dollar settlement to resolve lawsuits over the opioid crisis is a good time for the school to remind everybody, we don't sell drugs here. You can't get any oxy. Not here. Not now. Alligators? That's right. We have an alligator story. Soon after alligator season in Mississippi opened At noon on Friday, with favorable conditions, two hunters caught a giant that could break a state record. The Clarion Ledger reports that these two dudes were making passes of Mary Walker Bayou when they spotted the large gator. Now, it's wild alligator season currently. It was minutes before noon, said the man. He felt like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting for season to start. A few minutes later, the pair hooked the 13-foot, 6-inch alligator, spent 90 minutes battling it. They struggled to get the animal into their boat, had to tow it to the shallow waters. The alligator's measurements indicate it could near the state record for the heaviest male alligator taken in public waters. Alligators? That's right. Two quick animal stories for you. First up. God, I hate this freaking cat. Florida deputies have a cat burglar in custody, literally a cat. The Naples Daily News reports that deputies responded to a 911 call Saturday about a suspected burglary in progress. A homeowner heard knocking on a sliding door along with meowing. The caller thought the cat sounds were a ruse to try and get him to open the door. When deputies arrived, they found the culprit was a small cat named Bones. Cats are deadly animals. They posted a photo on Facebook of the cat in the back of a patrol car. The department says Bones was taken to a county animal shelter for further questioning. I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. We're back in a moment. Welcome back on this Back to School Tuesday. And if you're on social media at all today, if you go on the gram, if you go on Facebook, it is just lousy with pictures of kids. And it's all those, you know, spiffed up shots of the kids and off they are on their way to school. And I know because I've done it and I have two kids. I've got one going into high school, first day in high school today, and the other going into grade six. And in years past, I took the pictures and sure enough, I posted them. And I know I posted them because Facebook has got that dumb thing where it says, here's a picture you posted three years ago to remind you how stupid you were and how careless you were with your information in years past. I have changed the way that I handle these things. I no longer post pictures of them, or at least I try not to. Although the urge is still there. Every time I take it, oh, that's a great picture of my son. I'll just put that on the gram. Well, why am I doing that? 
I want to read for you two quick stories that just popped up when I put back-to-school pictures online into the Google machine. Here, from The Sun UK, is this headline. Stranger danger. Parents warn not to post back-to-school photos on social media amid pedophile fears. Parents have been warned not to post back-to-school photographs amid fears they could fall into the wrong hands. Cybersecurity experts have told now how pedophiles and other dangerous individuals could glean a wealth of sensitive information about your kids off one seemingly innocent image. That is from The Sun UK, tabloid newspaper. Absolutely, but... Then I contrast that with this from the Wisconsin Rapids Daily Tribune. The Wisconsin Rapids Daily Tribune are seeking photos of local students as they head back to school for an online photo gallery. Whether it's your kindergartner's first day getting on the bright yellow bus or your son packing his superhero backpack for his first day of 4K or your daughter getting her locker ready for her first day of middle school, we want to share your photos with our readers. So, which is the right thing to do? Anne Kavukium is a distinguished expert in residence at Ryerson University, former privacy commissioner, and knows a bunch about this kind of stuff from an online security point of view. Hi, Anne. Alan, it's a pleasure. (laughs) Anne, how do you feel about parents posting photos of their kids on their day back to school? Look, I understand why parents want to post photos of their kids on social media. You know, they love their kids. They're proud of them. They want to share this information. So they're not going to want to hear what I have to say, which is don't do it. I mean, share it with, you know, a certain number of friends and things. If you can do it confidentially, email it to them or something. But once you put it on social media, you have no control over that information. You don't know who else may be accessing the information about your adorable children, and what they might do with it. You know, the story you just referenced earlier about pedophiles accessing it. There's no question that there are pedophiles and others accessing this information, and you don't know what they're going to do with it. You don't want to place your kids at risk, obviously. I would urge people to refrain from doing this. Altogether, I mean, some would say that that's a bit... Fear-mongering in terms of, you know, it's just an innocent photo as long as the, you know, the school is not actually shown or an address or something like that. You know, that's a good point. But the ability to discern um, that these children, they're associated with these parents, obviously, they, they can access your social media profile, etc. The, these guys are very, very smart in terms of finding people and tracking them down and finding details that you would think are just not possible. This is my concern, is why why place your kids at any risk at all by putting their images out there? Um, and I know people think that's extreme and you want to share information about your children. I totally get that. But honestly, the stories that are coming out about terrible things that happen to people, including children, through social media, which, as you know, has virtually no privacy, no security. The controls are virtually non-existent. Why would you want to take that risk? Ann Kavukian is the former privacy commissioner and a distinguished expert in residence at Ryerson University. Always great talking to you, Ann. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, My pleasure, Alan. Thank you. So let's take it then from the privacy aspect to the parenting aspect. And Allison Schaefer is a therapist, 
author and acclaimed parenting expert who has some thoughts about how we deal with social media and kids. Allison, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. So when it comes to digital media and social media, I think as parents, we set terrible examples for our kids. But what kind of advice do you have as they begin the school year, especially the older ones with social media? Well, you're so right about us and our poor modeling habits. Uh, I think really it's a time to call the family together and say, hey, you know what, summer's over, maybe we backslid a bit. Let's talk about what we have to accomplish in this school year and what we want our, our family life to look like in terms of balancing all the responsibilities we have, responsibilities around the house, to homework, to our family, um, as well as our in-real-life friends and our friends online, and try to come up with a media plan that everybody has a little bit of buy-in around. Because, you know, if you just impose rules, you know, kids, they'll just find some way to hack and sneak around you anyways. You advocate the family meeting because those are, if I think back over my childhood, those are all horrible moments whenever dad said family meeting. Well, because you're right, a lot of times people think that they're going to use this great democratic process, and it's it's just a big fat lie. It's just calling everyone together saying, I'm finally angry enough that I'm going to just put the fist down and, and put new rules. And I'm really talking about something very different, which is trying to win children's cooperation versus forcing their compliance by having an open dialogue in, in a reasonable format about how things are working in the family. And I think for social media, a great thing to do is to go to an uninterested third party so it's not just mom and dad looking like they're you know crotchety old people out of touch with reality you can go to something like commonsensemedia.org and say hey listen this is a reputable website they've done their research here's some of the templates they have for family usage what what here would fit our family so that you're you're creating more of a dialogue and then you're coming to consensus about something that you might try try it for a week try it for two weeks and then say well sit down have another meeting and say what worked what didn't how do we tweak it make it you know, an iterative process. How do you deal with posting photos of, you know, kids? And what's your thoughts on that? I mean, back to school, everybody's putting up pictures of their kids, and the kids aren't always willing participants in that. Oh, you make such a good point. I do think that as parents, we have to realize that we are the beginning of leaving a digital footprint for our kids. And so what do we want the world to know about our kids that are going to be cached forever? And certainly there are safety um, issues to be concerned. So, for example, you never want your child to be geographically located. And that might be as small as if you take a picture of them outside their school and it has the school name, somebody can find your child there. Being careful with hashtags. Um, predators will also look for particular hashtags where they might get a glimpse, you know, you start calling your kid cutie pie or hashtag bath time and things like that. Uh, you don't want their names on their caps, on their identifying clothing. So yes, we need to be media savvy as parents as well, or we put our kids at risk. Allison Schaefer, thank you so much for being on the program. You bet. Happy back to school. And Allison is a therapist, author, and acclaimed parenting expert. And interesting to hear both of those perspectives from Dr. Ann Kavukian and from Ms. Schaefer that Posting these photos is not really a good idea. And I wonder how you feel about that as a parent. And I think it will be interesting. I think it will be a, a, a gamut of emotions for that. There will be the ones who are older who don't have kids, you know, going into grade one and grade two who will just say, well, of course, don't do that. But, yeah, I'm telling you, I, you know, 
it 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 it's hard. There is a pull to it. I, it's crazy. I get you get your hand on your phone. You have a nice picture. You think I just need to share that. But do you? So the thing for parents today, perhaps, to think about: take the picture, absolutely. But think about something like a what WhatsApp group, maybe. You know, add your parents to that. That's what I've done now. I have family on this sort of closed WhatsApp chat, and then I just put the photo there. And so it does what I want it to do, which is to show the people that I love that are involved in my kids' lives what they're doing. That's what I wanted the social media thing to do in the first place. So then why am I just putting it out there so that the whole world can see it and I have no control over it forever and ever, amen? Something to think about this day. When we come back on the radio program, we're going to be talking to Cheryl Hickey from ET Canada. I'm excited about this next interview. ET Canada back for its 15th season tonight. Cheryl Hickey is standing by on the line. We're going to get to her in just a moment, but I have some updates on a couple of stories I want to get you informed about. This one breaking from Toronto right now. The union representing 55,000 education workers in this province is asking for a strike mandate from its members as students head back to class across the province. CUPE's Ontario School Board Council of Unions says custodians, clerical workers, and educational assistants it represents begin a strike vote today. The union president expects a strong mandate. Of course, contracts for teachers and education workers in this province expired this last weekend. Bargaining for New Deal now still in the early stages, but the union has not ruled out a range of labor actions if talks with the government and school boards are not productive. They may work to rule. Keep your eye on that. Also, a quick update from the United Kingdom where British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has now lost his working majority as MPPs, or pardon me, MPs. You know, once an Ontario political junkie, always an Ontario political junkie, MPs, returned from their summer recess to challenge his decision to leave the Union, European Union. Philip Lee left the Conservatives to join the Liberal Democrats, who opposed Brexit and want to remain in the EU. Opposition MPs and some rebel conservatives are threatening to force the government to seek a further extension of the deadline. Johnson tried to defend his position in the House. Listen to this. Everyone in this government wants a deal. But we do. We do. But it is the reality that the House of Commons have rejected the current withdrawal agreement three times. And it simply cannot be resurrected. Oh, I love that speaker. Gotta get, I wish we just had him here. The show starts flagging. Order! Uh, And and if today wasn't bad enough with all the back to school traffic congestion, have you just noticed the city's just back to gridlock? Well, that's not enough now. 
Now we have congestion in space. The European Space Agency, it has performed an evasive maneuver with one of its satellites after rival SpaceX said it wouldn't move its own spacecraft out of the way. ESA says it reached out early to SpaceX and was informed that no maneuver was planned for the Starlink satellite before the close approach. ESA was concerned about the risk of a potential catastrophe, so the tech team acted immediately raising its satellite into a higher orbit, so significantly decreasing the risk of collision. ESA says the advent of so-called mega constellations like Starlink, consisting of hundreds or thousands of satellites, means collision avoidance manoeuvres will need to be automated in future. I'm Charles de Ledesma. See? Now you got space rage. I'm not moving my satellite. You move your satellite, mister. Don't touch the satellite. <laughs> I mean, it's madness. Sheer madness. Here's something else that I just found absolutely crazy. I got the I got the press release dropped into my email today. 15 years ET Canada has been on the air now. 15 years that program has been on. And Cheryl Hickey has been there since the beginning. And she joins me on the line now. ET Canada's host, Cheryl Hickey. Hello. Hey, and hasn't aged a day. You forgot no. to say that part, remember? Well, that is self-evident. That is self-evident. We're hugging right now is what's happening. That's so, what's happening. Back in the day, I just want to give people a little bit of a perspective. I actually started at Global News 20 years ago. Uh, actually, Are you going to tw- tell the story that I think you're going to tell? Well, no, I'm just saying that when I first met you, you were in the chopper every single night. You were the, you were the chopper reporter. I was. I was the reporter and the cameraman all rolled into one. And I think that I still hold the title of the only woman to shoot, report, and switch at the same time. I think, but I'm not sure. So there you were, a news reporter, and you're, yeah. you're digging in the dirt and the muck and the grime with all the rest of us, and then they come to you and say, hey, uh, would, you, would you like a lot of fancy ball gowns and move <laughs> into this entertainment thing? How'd that happen? Alan, that was not the story. <laughs> not even close. No. See, what happened was I heard they were going to do an entertainment program. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to audition. It's going to be amazing. Roz Weston was in the audition. uh, And all the executives were there. I auditioned. I gave it my all. I went full on. And then about four days later, they said, we're not looking for a blonde hair, blue eyed girl who everybody knows. So thank you very much. But that's not going to work. So I went and did what every logical person would do. And I went to Australia to find myself for three weeks. And when I came back, I, you know, sort of had a game plan for myself about what I was going to do with my career and where I sort of, you know, saw the next step for me. Um, And then I got a phone call asking if I would come downtown uh, to meet with the executives. And I figured it was they wanted to again tell me that, you know, it wasn't going to work because, of course, I, you know, did try one more time. And then I went in and they sat down and they said, um, you know that you auditioned for this show? And I said, yes. And they said, well, we would like you to be the host of our entertainment show and you'll be working with, you know, they told me who the the cast was at the time and I was speechless. And then they said, it'll be Entertainment Tonight Canada. And the rest is really history. And it took my breath away that day. And to think of us, you know, 15 seasons later, it still takes my breath away because, um, for all I knew back then, it was just not happening. So I feel ve- I'm feel i very grateful. I'm very grateful to be here, for sure. 
And it has been an incredible run with some incredible coverage. And I'm just wondering if, and I'm sure you probably get this question all the time, who uh, amongst your favorite interviewers would you name or interviews would you name? Well, Oprah, Alan, you know, she's just, she's epic. She's epic for so many reasons from, from, um, you know, a journalistic standpoint, then also as a businesswoman, um, just even her thought-provoking conversations. Um, So she's always very interesting to interview every time. Celine Dion's great. Ryan Reynolds is great. Um, There's just so many. But certainly Oprah is definitely at the top of my list. Um, What I always say about you when people, because people ask, they say, do you know Cheryl? And I say, well, yeah, I know know Cheryl. There's a giant picture of her head in the hallway I walk past every day. And what's really strange is that if where where Cheryl's head is, it's actually a door. And if you open the door, it's like I swear it's 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 like that movie. What's that movie again? Where you go inside John Malkovich? It being John. John Yeah. So you actually open the door, and behind Cheryl's head is her wardrobe. Yeah. Right? It's kind of amazing. That is weird. Many times walk by there. But what I say about you is that you have, you you are just so, yeah, you have a giant head. You have the opposite (laughs) of a giant head. You are so down to earth and absolutely, you know, no diva attitude. And I'm wondering, in all of the interviews that you've done, you must have encountered some diva behavior. You know what the thing is, Alan? I mean, I... The, the the great thing about our show is that when we go to interview people, um, it's sort of there to celebrate them. So for the most part, people are there to play because they, as soon as the cameras start rolling, um, you know, all eyes are on them. So anytime someone gets into our studio, it's it's great. And oftentimes I see people be very nervous. That's what I see. I see these celebrities come in and be very nervous about what they're going to say, how they look, um, are they sitting correctly, all of those things. And these are things that people don't normally get to see. So maybe I'm super lucky, but I haven't come across that really like outrageous behavior in 15 seasons. Well, this afternoon, if I run into you in the hallway, I'm going to throw a hissy just to just Are to make you? Yeah, wow. well, because that's what... But as we celebrate 15 years, tell me what's on on the program tonight and tell me what's coming up. I just love that I get to talk to you in this way. I feel like, can we do this more often? You're, you have a standing invitation to come on this program. Oh, I am down. This is amazing. But, you know, tonight on the 15th season premiere of uh, ET Canada, we've got an exclusive sit-down with Celine Dion. I went to uh, Montreal to talk with her, and she sort of talks about why she doesn't like to be called the queen, but rather a boss, how her late husband, Renee, gave her strength to be courageous. Um, We look back at, um, you know, how Celine's been a huge part of our show over the past 14 seasons. We talk about her upcoming album, her tour, um, and it's it's just, it's kind of amazing because she is just so epic and she's really been a huge part of our show from the very, very beginning. Cheryl Hickey from Chopper Reporter to host of ET Canada now for 15 years. Congratulations on the milestone. Uh, thank you, my friend. And I love that I get to see you almost every day. That's I know it is. <laughs> it is so life. fun. Thank you, Cheryl. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. And thank you to you for listening over those last hour on the radio program. You can see me on television tonight, beginning at 530 with my co-anchor Farah Nasser and then simulcast on this radio station beginning at six o'clock. And don't forget ET Canada at seven. We'll see you again tomorrow at noon.